0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is a listener question episode. I've got five of them teed up. This is the third time I've done it, hence it's five listener questions 3.0. I number them so I can remember if somebody refers back to, I remember in that episode, the episodes have a number and they should have a unique title too, so we can find it. And uh, so these are five interesting questions from five different people, some of whom I will mention. The first thanks sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Okay, first question from Brad Bethune, the Texas card dude. He's been on here several times. And some of you, he lost his dad. His dad passed away pretty recently, uh, maybe two months ago, something like that. And his dad wasn't that old. At any rate, uh, our condolences to Brad and to everybody in the industry that's lost people during these last... Uh, couple of years for lots of different reasons, but it's no less painful. So anyway, here's what happened. So Brad uh, says, after my dad passed away, his mom uh, cleaned out the closet and was dropping off some of his clothes at at one of these uh, donation drop-off points that I'm familiar with. I'm not going to mention the group, but they received that and then they resell it and it goes to a good cause. However, while she was there, his mom, there was a guy accepting the donations. He says, hey, I noticed you got men's clothes here. Sorry for your loss, but did your husband have any baseball cards (laughs) that you'd like to sell or donate? And uh, I don't know if he said sell or donate, but of course, Brad's mom is the mom of Brad. He said, no, my, my son's taking care of that. But Brad's question was, what happens When you don't have a son that's a knowledgeable, serious collector, if if you're a widow and you're at the mercy of you, just think, well, I just want to get rid of this stuff. I'm not sure what value it has. So Brad was uh, uh, being protective of his mom, but also concerned about others that might be in this same situation. He wanted to know what I thought about it. I have thought about it. I've done all these mortality podcasts. It does show that uh, sports cards have made the big time. If it's enough that people are asking about that, my estate sales friends that do that kind of stuff, the, the big thing is jewelry. But now, have you got baseball cards? So baseball cards have have now been recognized as being an asset class, I think. This guy that was accepting the donations, Brad, the only thing I can think is he's probably a volunteer and perhaps even an unpaid volunteer. In fact, he may be just doing that so he can get a shot at some collections, which may or may not, uh, the ethical thing is, number one, I'm, I'm totally against lying. He, he shouldn't give your mom uh, or anybody else a, a false story about, oh, I'm trying to get these cards for my dad or, or something. So no lying is acceptable to me. But if this guy's unpaid and he's doing this, maybe he's doing it just to get the cards. Now, on the other hand, it also would be not appropriate, I think unethical for him to take the cards and put him in the trunk of his car and not put him in the uh, bin for the donations. Uh, To me, that's that's borderline stealing. Now, if he has a deal with that uh, center that says, you know what, I'm going to work out here for free, but any baseball cards that come in or sports memorabilia, I'm going to take that as my pay. Again, that's a lot of ifs, but I uh, I see what you're saying, Brad. And like I said, I think that if somebody was doing that and they're doing it uneth- unethically, that's not right. To take advantage of widows and orphans is is a pretty pretty low. Next question: Greg Dobrik has written in several times. Thanks, Greg. Mentions uh, first of all just in passing that in the first baseman, don't forget the crime dog Fred McGriff. I haven't forgotten him. I think he probably will get in. But then his main question is about trying to pick up one of the 2005 f- fan favorite cards of me. <laughs> I actually bring those to the card shows now and I'll sign one or sign yours. Or I have some. I've, I've given them out a little bit because I have enough of them that I'm, I'm not going to run out, I don't think. But I try not to sell them. I try to give them away. However, he pointed out that there's a $1,200 asking price, I think on Com C, but that may be also on eBay, for refractor version, a gold refractor version. And when that was brought to my attention, I realized that my contract for signing the cards and for giving my commission had no mention. I'm not going to get mad at Clay uh, Larashi because I think it's all above board, but I had no idea there were gold refractors. I'd love to have one, but I don't think I'm going to pay 1200 bucks for my own card, no matter how beautiful it is. I have seen it, I've seen the image of it. So, uh, Greg, you're right. I even I'm not going to pay that much for it, but it is a cool card. And I, I I won't say I wish I had one, because if I wished hard, I'd get it. I'm not even PCing myself. What is it? That's embarrassing. Question three. This was from Instagram, and there were a bunch of questions about this, and they've gathered them up. And really, the problem is, and I'm not going to mention the name again, it's, it's slander. If you uh, accuse somebody of something... And in cyberspace, it's there forever. And and people have a right to be innocent until proven guilty. The point of the questions is that there was an accumulation of evidence over a long period of time that somebody was doing bad stuff. And then how did this person get away with it for so long? The question is, does the hobby have a short memory or do they not like confrontation, sweep it under the rug, or all the above? And uh, it's probably a little bit of all of the above. I think the hobby sometimes does have a short memory. People can uh, make mistakes and they, they ought to get a second chance, but the person they're talking about sounds like it was recurring and, and just people were either looking the other way. I don't know. I don't usually buy cards in that way. And I think if you have a uh, like i said you a person does have a right to be innocent until proven guilty there shouldn't be a rush to judgment and just think you can't unhear something you can't unaccuse somebody or disaccuse them i know in publishing if we said something that was wrong and somebody complained we would publish a retraction now again there's no retraction if we're correct but a lot of uh, publications that publish their retractions do it on an obscure page, not as prominent as the original accusation. On the other hand, this question, I think, refers to where the person appears to be guilty without doubt. And uh, like I said, I, th- I think you-, you need to, uh, 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 they give credit to Kyle from Wax Museum. I know Kyle is tenacious and does a lot of great detective work. Again, once you have that person dead to rights, Do you call them the FBI? If there was an association that kind of policed the industry, it would be uh, interesting to see what they would do. But uh, you shouldn't just loosely accuse somebody because it could be something somebody else is doing that you just have possession of it. But when something keeps happening, there's a uh, I I won't say when there's smoke, there's fire, because sometimes it's just smoke and it's somebody else's smoke but uh, there ought to be a place where you could go and i think there is a facebook group for some of this stuff but i'd like the scammers and bad actors to be eliminated in a, in a, if if we don't police ourselves then uh, somebody's going to come in and do it for us and that actually is even worse because that would add a lot of friction to buying and selling and trading okay another one I wanted to know about the origin of beckett publications and the price guides and all that stuff and i guess i would like to see more development of what that is. I've had some bits and pieces out there. I've had some kind of origin issues for me, but if there's some aspect, I'm more than willing. That's what the dueling questions get at a lot of times. People asking me aspects of what it was like in 1976 or 79 or 84 or 89 or 99. Each of those dates is a pivotal date in my uh, hobby history. One of the reasons I started doing the podcast is because I didn't really want to do a linear reporting of I was born, I went to grade school, I went to middle school. It's just linear. I, I wanted to jump around a little bit. So if there's something you feel like I've left out, so I'm answering the question with a question. I appreciate that. And again, through these other guests, it may just be that that the best way to do it is to put it together from the different podcasts uh, that have been released uh, so far and will go forward. Okay, last question, number five. This is from Greg Sobaczynski, I think, Cardboard Insights. He's mentioning that, that certain cards and sets that are rare, how are they going to fare? They're underappreciated right now, misunderstood or not even given a second glance, but they are very tough. Some of them are parallels. Some of them are just obscure inserts or even older cards that just... And the key is not that much is known. Most people don't uh, come across them or think about them. And so uh, Greg's question is, with more people coming into the hobby... Uh, Are these sets going to become more understood with more people potentially searching for this rare stuff, or is it going to just lack of interest continue going forward? Greg, that's the issue. If you're the collector of this rare stuff, uh, the supply isn't going to change, although the supply actually could increase if there's more publicity about something. It it draws more cards of that type out. But the price can really go up if there are more people chasing. What uh, I think a lot of people do is they just quietly go after this stuff. When they see it, they pounce on it. After they have it, as I've said, it's not a pump and dump. But uh, a lot of times I think that the flexing that you see on social media is pumping what you just acquired, which you think is a steal because of the rarity, but there's not a lot of demand, but it doesn't take very much demand to greatly increase the, the perceived value and the price of a card or a piece of memorabilia that was not in vogue because people didn't think about it. And once they think about it, if more people are chasing it than have it, that's a recipe for driving up the price. I'm always on the side, Greg, of increasing knowledge. And I think the increasing knowledge increases the interest. So if you've got some examples or other people have examples of obscure cards, things like that, old, new, or in between, I'd be happy to address them. Rich and I have a great deal of fun. It's what we did at the National over the last few decades, looking for cards like that, not so much brand new, but anything that wasn't in the almanacs and already reported. So Greg, keep searching. And uh, there's a silver lining if it's rare and stays uh, not as understood and not as uh, valuable in spite of its rarity. I- enjoy the chase. Now, when you're going to sell, you have to beat the drum and say, "Hey, this is really rare." But still, you've got to have more than one person, or more than uh, the more people you can get to chase it. Like I said, I've been in some auctions, or I put stuff up in an auction, and there just weren't enough bidders. The, the stuff was rare, and I know that the person that won it surely would have gone higher. But if nobody bids them up, they get it for a great deal. So thanks, everybody. Again, I enjoyed the listener questions. Just send them to uh, drjamesbeckett at gmail.com. I'm happy to accumulate them and answer them. If it's something worthy of a whole episode, I certainly can do that. And uh, whether it's a broad question or a specific question, send them in. And I'm uh, enjoying the interaction and uh, the opportunity to answer your questions. So thanks, everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of The man in the house of He's doing all right.